Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and Nate are back with episode two of season five, talking about the things we do in church. Today we talk about the simple act of gathering. From gathering spaces to the dreaded meet and greet time, we talk about why it's important that we gather as a church. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey Michael, how's it going this week? Going, it's going well, Nate. How are you? I'm doing good now that we're getting back in the swing of recording every week. We had a little bit of break for spring break, but I feel like we're kind of back in the groove. Yeah, um, I missed it. I didn't know I was missing it because I was really busy, but I it turns <laughs> out I really did miss it. So yeah, your your spring break got a little more busy than you thought, didn't it? Oh, I, well, we started out thinking that we would have kids coming home from college to spend some time with us. And it turned into, we had a whole lot of visitors during spring break. Yeah. We well, live in a, in a destination uh, and we've never lived in a destination before. So. Yeah. Well, I do not live in a destination. Some people like coming to Oklahoma city, but it's not necessarily considered a destination. I just stayed at home over spring break, enjoyed not having to teach for a couple of days and uh, didn't get near as much done as I thought I was going to do, but I enjoyed it. So, yeah, you know how is, that your goes? Pool, is your pool open? No, <laughs> not even close. Not even close. Like this week, I'm going to try to get in the yard and get it cleaned up a little bit. And then the pool is usually April to May ish. So we're getting closer, but yeah. All right. So, well, the um, we got to see together, we got to go and uh, and visit the campus of SNU and see some Yes, we did. Uh, we, we saw rugby. Rugby. Yeah, the first the first ever SNU hosted rugby tournament. That was, <laughs> it was so awesome. It was. Like, who knew that rugby was – that you could watch a game that you don't know all the rules to and have that much fun? Yeah, I loved it. And Jonah was playing, so that was awesome that yeah. we knew somebody on the field and just the whole – the seven minute halves, I know those are shorter than the normal, like 15 on 15, but still it was just fast pace and the ball never stopped. And I love that they got an announcer who knew that Oklahomans and Texans and whoever else was there, but knew nothing about <laughs> rugby. Had no because idea. <laughs> that announcer was a godsend. Oh, like yeah. He, yeah. We should we have that in church. That. Oh, we should things you do. We should have like, like on the price. So Shelly and I went to see the price is right live Her sister tickets to this thing. Um, and, and I, the, the announcer came out before the host and the announcer is a very different role from the host. And because the, because the, the announcer is, um, he's doing something different. Like he's, he's a, he's a sounding board or something to someone to play off of for the host. Uh, he's also giving instruction to the audience 
And to right. those who are coming, you know, he would say, come on down. You're the next contestant on the price is right or whatever. And he would say these things. Um, but then he, he was also telling them, use the third aisle from the left and come all the way down. And then you're going to sit in the front row while we give you some prep and you'll meet Jordan down there. She's going to tell you what's up. Right. Like oh, wow. <laughs> it was, he's telling us all this and, you know, it felt like that's what was supposed to be happening. I was thinking about this because uh, Tyler preached on Sunday and we, we were able to be there in Midwest city right. and he did a wonderful job, but one of the responsibilities he had, and you could tell it was the first time he'd ever been responsible to do this was to describe how communion would be served and in what ways you could approach to receive it and what was an appropriate response. And, and he was giving these instructions and I thought, we just don't do this enough. We don't have verbal signage, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had read his instructions and we kind of went through all that because I knew, like I told him, let's write these down because if you just are winging it, you might forget some of your instructions because I've had interns do that before when they didn't have it written down. So we actually went through them a little bit, but I do think that's something we need to do because at this rugby game, this guy was like, Okay, so what they're doing right now is this is called a ruck or this is called a, a line out or this is you call a touchdown a try. And he was just explaining it because he knew we were all clueless and it made it so much more fun. And I was yeah thinking about church and how we often assume that people know the things. I think that's what this whole season is about, really. We're going to talk about why we do the stuff we do in church, sure. but it would be nice to have somebody at church saying, Okay, and the pastor's getting up and his pulpit is in the center of the room because it, <laughs> it puts the place of the center of the word of God right there. And then he's going to read from the scripture because we believe the scripture is authority. He's not just making this stuff up or she. Right, I guess, right. you know, depending on and there are some traditions that think that the table belongs at the center right, and the yeah. word belongs off to the side. And this is why they believe that. And this <laughs> is how that works. You know, like that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be well, awesome. and, and our table is right in front of our pulpit, you know, a lot of times. So we're a word both table. in the center, yeah. but, but we're there are those who tradition. have the word is off to the side a little bit, not the word of God, but the word from the, the pastor or from the pastor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, then the, uh, the community center, but yeah, so it was great. And I was, man, Jonah, my wife, when she saw Jonah haul down that field, she did not know he could move that fast. We were so impressed. I've seen him run a little more than she has because I watched him play football one time I was down there. Um, but when she saw him take off after the ball, she was like, man, I didn't know Jonah could run that fast. It was incredible. <laughs> it's surprising. It so yeah. He broke yeah, like yeah. when he broke three tackles and ran into the to the end zone. Or yeah. well, I don't even know what you call like it, yeah, you, I don't know what they the call zone. it. Is the try zone? I don't I have no idea what it's called. It's such a funny thing to to you score a point or you score points and then they say nice try. Yeah, it's and a try. Like, when well, you it wasn't just a try. I actually did it. I know? actually <laughs> scored the points. I didn't try nothing. That's <laughs> right. so funny. Yeah, it's yeah. a good. We good had a lot of fun with a lot of the words. I think oh, some yeah. of the people around us that knew rugby were a little bit maybe put off by all the commentary that we were making. I don't know if they were, but it seemed like there were a couple of parents next to us that just kept looking at us and kind of shaking their heads like, oh, man, this might be a long season. <laughs> Yeah, but it I, was great. It was great. I wasn't worried about those people. I think I looked around me and I felt like I could take all of them uh, in a scrum. 
So, <laughs> man, I would, I would just lose my teeth in the scrum. I, oh I, gosh, I, it just looks like, like you're gonna tuck your neck in with some under somebody else's shoulder and then push against each just other. Push forward, yeah. While yeah. somebody's trying to hook the ball with their foot and kick it out. It was. It oh, was by the insane. way, you don't get a helmet. No, yeah, no helmets. <laughs> Can I get something to cover my ears? Okay, you can. There were a couple of people that did that, yeah. But you can't have like a helmet, helmet. Yeah, but Although you also I can't had, tackle above the collarbones, right? Yeah, you know. I had even heard, you know, some people in football arguing that if they would go back to the leather helmets, that there wouldn't be as many injuries because people would not be willing to oh. shoot themselves as projectiles at each other. Yes, uh, there's been that argument. But I don't think anybody's going back at this point. I think well, it's either they say that, but then or not. But then yesterday, or yeah, we, or Saturday, we saw um, several, several yeah, young men lead with their head into yeah, the, into the the ruck, right? Like, yeah, and yeah. for and they got called for a call called diving in the ruck. You yeah. can't dive in the ruck. I you wouldn't have to tell me not to dive in the ruck. There would not be a rule if we were playing regular. <laughs> I wouldn't have to be told that. <laughs> I, I would not be trucking people either. Like no. they're running over. The, that happened several times. Several but, times. But ultimately, it was the person who was not the aggressor that generally got injured because their head would bounce off the ground. Yes. He wants to be the aggressor for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, what was interesting is there was it was such a gentlemanly, uh, if I can say that word, if that even matters or means anything anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know what that word means. Yeah. (laughs) My wife, my wife thinks I'm a gentleman, so I guess I could, I could, I could see it. Yeah. It was, there was something very kind of British or yeah. uh, About the whole thing where, where they would stand up and tell one another, wow, that was a good hit. You know, when they, they were the one being hit and the other guy had been the aggressor and they would, there was, it was a very congratulatory sort of their celebrations were, were filled with, uh, sorry, I had to do you that way, man, but I was trying to get the ball, you know. But, yeah, and one of the things the announcer explained was one of the teams, all the people didn't show up, and the announcer's like, this is a common thing to just share players. If you don't have enough, you take some off of your team and you give them to the other team. And I'm like, in what world would that happen <laughs> in any kind of American sports? Like, no, you forfeit, we win. Yeah. We'll play yeah. for fun, but we already won. <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah right yeah, was, that's the old uh yeah we'll play we'll play for fun we'll give you a couple of people and we'll play for fun i've done that in basketball leagues but we get the w with the but we the, get the w in the books yeah <laughs> well speaking oh, of friendliness and greeting we, we're going to talk about you like that segue we're going to talk about gathering nice. today yeah and about you know it's been a hard couple of years for the church for pastors simply because from time to time we have not been able to physically gather like we wanted. No, we haven't been in the same space. Uh, yeah. and, and we talk about, uh, and zoom you know, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about <laughs> sacred space and sacred, uh, you know, sacred people, uh, and, and sacred time and sacred space is just, it's such an interesting, uh, problem because, uh, so much of our budget of what is brought in by tithes and offerings and, and just giving in general um, goes to preserving a space. And then you're not allowed to meet in it or use it the way 
that you intended to. Uh, it's such a difficult yeah. thing. And there's an argument, you know, like I'm in church planting, there's this, there's this question, do we need a space? Like, do right, we need right. a permanent space or is it sufficient to rent? You know, and, and our congregation is currently in this conversation about, is it time for us to just find a home, right? Like yeah. we've got families who are going to want to celebrate anniversaries and, and have weddings. And, uh, and if we ever, you know, are, are hosting a funeral, do how important is the space that we're in, you know, and, and there's our, there's plenty of arguments on both sides for this, uh, but yeah, sacred yeah. space is a, is a, an interesting thing. And to be there with the people of God, with the family of faith uh, is yeah. something we've been doing for a long, long time. And I've kind of been on both sides of this because when we had our fire, we had no space. Right. And my first instinct as a pastor is to say the church is not the building, which I wholeheartedly believe. Yes. And that God can meet with us anywhere, which I wholeheartedly believe. But when you're a church wandering around for six months and now you've been doing it much longer than me. But when you're a church that's used to having a space and now you're wandering around for six months, all of a sudden the building becomes a lot more important. And then yeah. you talk about upkeep and, and building. You know, we paid off our building after that rebuild. So, oh, great. We don't have to worry about paying for a space. And then I look up and our gym is now 20 years old. And they didn't replace all the air conditioners in there because there wasn't enough damage. So I've got four 20 year old air conditioners. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm start adding that up in my head. And I'm like, you know, in the next few years, we're looking at twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 yeah. of air conditioning. Yeah. And, and, you know, you look at that and you're like, is that worth it? And, and could we just, you know, meet somewhere else? Can we rent a place? Could we, and, and those are all the questions uh, that you you kind of mull over in your mind and and you try to figure out what is this space about and ultimately you know the space to me is is only important because we gather there right. and because right. God is with us as we gather we don't bring God into the building <laughs> you know I heard somebody the other day say something about God came in with us because God lives in us and I'm thinking wait a second God was way ahead of us like <laughs> God God yeah. was here and in us. Like, mm -hmm. so, so when we show up and we pray, you know, sometimes I think we don't think about some of the things we pray, God, we want you to come fill this place. God was in the place, but what's special about the place is that we've set it aside to set apart. Holy is just to be set apart. Right. It's holy because we set it apart to worship God, to gather together. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about gathering and how important it is just to gather and that there's actually an act of gathering that happens even before we walk into the sanctuary. Right. Well, yes. I mean, just so, you know, before you get to church, there's somebody in the sanctuary uh, practicing music or turning things on or whatever. And generally there's a prayer that gets prayed that sounds something like this and be with all those folks who are loading their kids into their car right now and making their way here. Right. Because there's a lot of effort that goes into just getting there. I mean, just to think about right, the right. courage that it takes for someone new who's never been here before to get in their car, you know, set an alarm, wake up, get dressed, get in their car or walk or ride their bike or however they get there, um, ask for a ride. But to walk into a room full of strangers who all know each other. 
Yeah. That's not an easy thing to do. There's a lot of courage. Uh, and even for folks who know everybody in the room, sometimes when you've had the kind of week where you know that people you love and people you know well are going to ask you, how, how was your week? And you know that you're going to have to make that decision. Uh, right. kind of, do I just say fine or do I really tell them how it went? Yeah. And what, yeah. If, what if I start crying mm-hmm. <laughs> while, or what if, what if my emotions get the best of me while I'm telling okay. the story? Like what if it was a terrible week and I'm still more angry about what happened than I'm, than I'm expecting to be. And I catch myself uh, visually showing off my emotion while I'm telling the story in this assembly of people who, yeah. who know and love me. I feel like I have a lot of respect from them. What if I lose respect this morning because I can't control myself, you know, like, yeah. or, you know, there's just all kinds of courageous things that happen when you get together with people. Yeah. And, and just any, any amount of intimacy or friendship requires that you're brave enough to, to let your guard down, to reveal truth that maybe isn't always just the prettiest truth to walk the journey during the good times and the bad times to realize that there are those people who walked in this week who may have something going on yet you know nothing about or to be the person who has something you know just really heavy going on and and all of that gathering it all kind of comes together in this you know for us when i when i was at community when i first came we had no gathering space And one of the things when we were able to reformat some walls after our fire was the board was unanimous in one thing. We need to create a place where people can gather before and after church. Yeah. And, and so you've been in our coffee bar now and it is like open and it's, it's big compared to what we had was like a little hallway with a water fountain. And that's where people would go talk or the little breezeway, right? in front of the church, which is just like about eight feet wide and straight across the length of the church. And so this it's, it's great because on Sundays, sometimes people just be sitting out there, you know, 1230 after everything's over and just talking and laughing and carrying on. And, and there's this aspect where we have gathered and we're here to be together. Um, Some of the best conversations have happened before we ever walk into the sanctuary um, there's this, there's this kind of sense of we're preparing ourselves together, uh, to worship God together. There's this, that we're on a journey, not by myself, but we're here together. And, and that, you know, there are these people that every week I know will be there and I may encourage them or they may encourage me. Right. Um, depending on the week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, what's fun about your, your, your setup there is that you also have doors that go straight in, right? Like there's on either side of the doors that go into the sanctuary are some exterior doors, glass doors, where you can see through a hallway, but you could enter in, you don't have to go through the foyer. So you could go. But what I noticed this week when I was there is that there's one door that gets caught by the wind and it sounds like it's coming off the hinges. (laughs) Something is going to break Every time somebody, and I loved it because it's the sneakiest door, right? Like it's the door. If somebody wanted to not engage with anyone, wanted to slip in and slip out, that door is going to catch them off guard and it's going to make more racket and put more eyes on them than any other door in the space. But it's also the one that they, that the sneaky person 
would be drawn right. to. And I thought, ha ha, gotcha. No, like, <laughs> that's, that's what, I just that. thought it was funny because, yeah. and I know that it's not intentional, right? Like that door's broken right. and you're trying, it, I, it normally need, I think it needs a new, uh, yeah, it was supposed <laughs> to be locked because it needs, needs the new uh, little bar that slows it down as it closes. It just closed. I'm afraid it's going to break at some point if yeah. it keeps getting well, there, open. Whenever I heard it, whenever I heard it slam for the first time as a pastor visiting another church, I thought, <laughs> I thought it it was like that uh, a comedian who did this uh, uh, press conference after the after the sermon. Oh he, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been doing this for years. I don't know why the praise team can't hit the cues like they know <laughs> they know when they're supposed to come up there, but like or or after the service is over and uh, and they just get up and leave their instruments and everybody's walking out in silence and you can hear everything like why can't the sound guy turn the music on as soon as i say amen why can't we get that we've been trying this for you know and he's like going through the right. things and i'm thinking nate's probably thinking to himself uh you know could you could you can just leave the, the door, door that makes that can can't you lock that door or fix it can we do the one of the two things yeah, like right the yeah, sign yeah. why can't it get done i'm not sure you know like <laughs> that's funny So one of the things that I've heard discussed a lot, even on social media, I've seen memes is, is the whole, like in this gathering that a lot of churches and our church has this have, have like a handshaking time, which I think started as like the, the passing, passing of the peace. Of the peace. Yes. yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the passing of the peace. Oh, the passing of the peace is the most disruptive ridiculous thing to the reverence of a sermon a service you've ever seen right like you come in <laughs> you sing a song and it's a call to worship and everybody gets into it and then you get like like you get maybe you get to the second song or the third song or whatever and it gets a little emotional and you're like really feeling the experience of worship and and then somebody says all right now turn and and visit with your uh with your neighbor greet three people and let them know you're glad to see them this morning and uh, and 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 this is that time in the service where we're going to pass the peace or we're going to greet our neighbor, do a little fellowship. Right. Um, and you know, every introvert in the room is like, Oh, I hate this part. Like yeah. I don't even want to come to church anymore because you runs for this. the corner. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so they just stand there, they stand there facing the front, hoping nobody will come and talk to them or you've become emotional because you, you carried something heavy in there and you really would prefer that this were the time when the altar was open and you could go pray, but you want me to shake somebody's hand. And you give me 30 seconds to do it uh, or a minute and a half to do it. And I'm supposed to, then they're going to ask me questions that do not have a short answer. Uh, and so right. I'm just going to have like, <laughs> there's all kinds of problems with it. Uh, and yet it seems like, you know, there's some people who are there for that moment, right? Like there, right, there's right. a, there's a lady in our congregation and whenever we open it up and say, Hey, greet somebody this morning in Jesus name. If you didn't get the chance, if you came in late and there was somebody you wanted to say, I just want to give you the freedom to walk over there and just shake their hand, hug their neck, whatever it is you need to do. Right. Like she, she would go and she would hug everybody in the congregation because that's right. just who she is. Right. And even and if she, it took three songs. Yeah. Oh, she wouldn't care. Like we get into the sermon. She would still be hugging people and talking way too loud in, you know, in the middle of I mean, distraction, which is fine. I mean, fine by me, you know, but right not for everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing that we do to encourage uh, fellowship and greeting one another. Um, and so, uh, well, I think for me, part of it is this whole idea that 
we're not at a concert here um yeah you know we have our lights lower than like full-on brightness but i never let our people like turn them all the way down so that you kind of can't see the person next to you because like a concert you go and your your eyes are fixed on the stage and what's going on with the people around you is really not your concern at all like you're there for what's on the stage and to be entertained most of the time so right um, right, right but in a church you're not at a concert like i can't live the gospel without the person next to me because how could i love my enemy or my neighbor if i weren't with people right so right, like right. the gospel is inherently a social endeavor it's inherently this this thing that we're on a journey together and in fact the church is the place where we're supposed to be living these values out and and almost it's like the rehearsal for them when we spread out and go into the world so that we can learn what it means to love one another and then carry that out into people that aren't part of the church on on monday through saturday so it it actually like whenever you said the church is the place uh, it made me think of that commercial the ace is the place with the helpful hardware man yeah right like um now it's helpful hardware folks because there are women too oh okay sure they changed Um, it (laughs) sorry i missed that i i haven't seen that commercial in a long long time so yeah um, but it just stuck in my head because and immediately i had this scene in my head where uh where your father-in-law uh he is the helpful hardware man right like yeah right um and so there's there's this sense in which uh, the people at church are not just there to be this reverent crowd of worshipers, but that there is there is uh, worship in the sharing of well, I was building my fence this week, and you know I right. really came to an impasse, or I was working on my car this week, or I, I don't know, I had a wreck, and I don't know how to. I don't know how to process, like, I don't know how to salvage this, this car that's broke down that they won't give me, you know, that, that it's worthless now. So what do I do with yeah. it? And there's some guy in the congregation or some lady in the congregation who's an insurance adjuster and, and I, you know, or there's a dentist, I got this real tooth issue. Oh, well, we'll put you on the books. Come by. You know, there's this sense where there is salvation in the community of faith, right? Like right. Yeah. Uh, on Sunday, we sang uh, the song, uh, the song about God is good. Uh, good the goodness of god you are good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh and yeah that one it says and you've been good to me my whole life right like right i've received the, and and there's this tension that exists because sometimes when we're talking about blessing what we're talking about is white privilege or we're talking about yeah. uh financial freedom or you know we're talking about wealth uh rather than than the actual blessings of god because I, and i was looking around and i was just thinking this is how i've experienced the blessing of God in the body of Christ. Yeah. Right. I, we had four churches say, represented yeah. on Sunday because of extravaganza. Right. Including your church and then right. the other two groups. And in the in the in the in the foyer, um, after in the in the meeting, the gathering space afterwards, when we're leaving, I had been thinking about the goodness of God and how I experienced the goodness of God. And there's some people who don't think that God is good because they haven't experienced the goodness of the people of God. Um, and sometimes, right. you know, that's because of corruption. That's because of sin. That's because of the brokenness of the world. And sometimes at church, people actually don't receive peace at all. They, they get curses, you know, they get yeah. judgment, they get harshness. 
Um, you know, my mom, my mom has said before, uh, it, you know, I didn't know how badly I could get my feelings hurt until I started going to church. Um, and <laughs> you know, unfortunately that, that, that has happened, yes. um, but in the, in, in your foyer on Sunday, I saw an elderly, elderly black woman and a uh, young white woman, uh, talking about the young white woman's tattoos, right? Like describing yeah, yeah. them and, and you know, that there's some there's some tension there that that's not like that conversation isn't, is, is both of them giving a little, right. Right. There's yeah. not like we could have drawn lines and said, you know, I don't like your tattoos and you know, or whatever. And, and there's an age gap and all these things, but instead here they are talking about them, which right. is yeah. such a picture of the kingdom of God. Uh, where, and they were at a table too. Like it wasn't like they were just yeah. out in the middle of the floor. They were sitting at a table, um, in the foyer visiting right. and yeah. talking yeah. about these things. I wasn't privileged to the conversation. I just walked past as it was happening and went, God is good. This was my thought. Yeah. God is good. And I just saw how good God is in that image, in that picture. Um, and I think, I think that's the reason that we need to keep doing those things is. Yeah. And a lot of times we think about gathering and this is our American culture kind of getting a hold of us, but we think about what am I going to get if I go to this gathering and what am I going to receive? But, oh. but when you begin to think about the church, uh, one of the things we've been trying to focus on this year in our church, and I think every church, you know, strives to do this is, is, is not what am I going to receive, but what can I give in this gathering? Because all throughout the Old Testament, and, and even, you know, into the New Testament, the whole, the whole idea of worship was about what can I bring? What am I going to bring to God? Am I going to bring this grain offering? Am I going to bring this yeah. lamb? Am I going to bring this, you know, this heifer yeah. or whatever? What am I bringing? And so the idea of gathering, then there's a, instead of consuming, we, we come with this idea of what can I bring this week? What can I do to minister to someone who may be that person you're talking about? just walked in bravely. We had a family of six people that walked in for the first time and were just bombarded by all these teenagers from Collinsville. When they first walked in, there were like 20 teenagers standing in the foyer. Yeah. And I just politely said, Hey teens, you guys will let this family come up to the front and get their coffee, right? They're brand new here today and, and introduced them to our baristas and they, right. all the teens were gracious. And, you know, uh -huh. it took a lot of courage to walk in yeah, and she said, she said, the devil's been fighting us to get here. Like that was her, her phrasing, you know, sure. it's like, sure. we've been trying to get up and get to church. She knew of the Nazarene church had never been to our church. And it was like to get through that barrier, it took something. And right. so that when we think about going to church, it's like, what can I bring this week Yeah, to bless someone else, to encourage someone else? If you're having a great week, like you, you aren't just going to receive more. You're going to, you're blessed to be a blessing just like Abraham was. And then when you're having your week where you, you want to, you know, curse at God a little bit like the psalmist do. Yeah. Then you have somebody who comes along next yes. to you and says, God has been faithful to me and God right. will be faithful to you. Oh, absolutely. I'll never forget a Sunday when there was a woman who she showed up a little bit early. She's sitting on the front row and I just went to greet her and realized as I was about to greet her that she had tears in her eyes. And I said, oh, goodness, I'm so sorry. Are you, are you OK? And uh, she said, yeah, all oh, these are tears of joy. And I said, really? She said, yeah, I just uh, I got my first paycheck this week. 
uh, and it's the job that we prayed for, right? Like this community of faith prayed for, prayed with me so that I would get a job. And then I got a job and now I got my first paycheck and I get to contribute for the first time. I, I get to put That's something awesome. in, in the offering plate. And, uh, and she said, it, it just means a lot to me to be able to be grateful for all that I've been given. <laughs> and I just, you know, and, and those kind of conversations make us good stewards, Right. right. That's the right. motivation you need to be the good steward of what is given and make sure that we're giving it away, that we're that we're meeting needs, that we're, you know, that if we need to, you know, repair an air conditioning unit, that we know who contributed to that and that they know that they're part of that so that this building can be sustained, the space can be sustained so that the the community around us can be ministered to. And sometimes, yeah, that's as, you know, sometimes it's just feels really bland to say oh, yeah. oh, we're replacing a we're replacing a, a, a air conditioning unit or you know buying a church van or something of that nature but all of those things are about people right like right about having people in that space inviting people to that space giving people a place to be right and and yeah. just showing up to that space when there's something going on means that i get to participate in a thing called critical mass right yeah we don't critical, talk enough about that. Yeah. I mean, on Sunday, did you feel like you had critical mass? Oh, yeah. And then some? And I wasn't even preaching, but I will tell you, it's so much easier to preach when they feel a little buzz in the congregation because they're just people talking to each other. And, and there's a, a great, you know, a crowd that's there specifically to be together to hear the word of God. And that was Sunday. I heard the kids singing from all these different youth groups and then our adults. And I could hear them over the music, which sometimes the music, you know, is turned up or whatever to where you can't. But but there were moments where it was loud up there. I was on the stage and it was loud. And I was just like, that's when I was blessed. And, you know, you talk about the experience with that parishioner and as her pastor, like she never know will know what that did to you as a pastor because it's oh. easy to get discouraged as a pastor. You see, you see <laughs> sure. the best of people and sometimes yeah. you see the worst of people. And sometimes you feel like those wins are few and far between. And, and there's weeks where it kind of drags on and, and some, some weeks you get up to preach and I, you know, I've said to my wife, you know, I don't know that I really have anything to say to these people. I'm, I'm tapped out. I'm, I'm tired. I'm weary. I don't feel like I've really I've really, this scripture really has come to life for me yet. And generally that's when God works in spite of me. But, <laughs> but, you know, it's like in that moment, you know, that one encouraging text, that one, you know, here's what God's doing in my life. Hey, even the, the one like, Hey, can we talk about this? I have questions about this text. How, how excited do you get as a pastor when someone, oh. you know, part of that gathering is, Hey, let's talk about this. Yeah, like I don't understand this, and you might be like, "Well, I don't understand either," but we'll at least wade into it together, you know. We'll right. we'll try to see what what God yeah. is telling us here, you know. Well, so. and you don't know who is in that congregation that feels like the only place that they ever get heard is there, right? Yeah. They came. They didn't come for the sermon. They didn't even come for the music. They came because they're weary, and we've got these nice people who will go and talk to their children about Jesus. And let them sing songs and give them treats. And, and for yeah, a moment, yeah. they can sit in peace. And there's this time in the service where everybody wants to shake hands and hug necks. And <laughs> yeah, then yeah. And we stand around in this room near the door. Uh, and we 
we drink a cup of coffee, eat a donut, and somebody says, how was your week? And they care. And then I tell them how my week was and they care. And they say, I'm so sorry. And if it was really bad, or if I'm really worried about next week, they'll pray with me. They'll put their hand on on my shoulder and they'll say, Lord, help us as we go through this next week. And that, you know, that can change the trajectory of life. Like the transformation doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in community. And And there need to be people around to testify to my transformation. Or I might begin to believe that it hasn't happened. And I think for too long, one of the things, the reason why we missed a lot of this to me is that we, as the American church got so concerned about people being in seats that pastors did tend to see people as numbers and not people. I I think that, you know what I'm saying? Like there was this big pressure to get as many people in those seats as possible. Oh yeah. And and so then the people felt that like people felt like, Oh, I'm only here to fill a quota, but, but the truth is that critical mass isn't about a number of people. It's about just like anything else. When you show up somewhere and there's life and, and, and it's like there are people that you can love and can love you. And, and when you're willing to be vulnerable enough to like share your life with someone like you were talking about a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, we had somebody in my Sunday school class that had a horrific thing happen in their family. And it wasn't me, although I joined it. One of the, the members of the class was like, I think we need, you know, he just started heading towards her to pray for. Yeah. And then I got up and we laid hands on her and prayed for her. And it was, it was a horrific thing. And yet it completely transformed that Sunday school class because all of a sudden we were all connected in that we were going to pray for her, you know, for the next yeah. weeks. And because we knew it was going to be tough. Yeah. And that she wasn't that it wasn't going to just go away. Right. So right. Um, I, I think, yeah, just knowing there's a, a group of people who love you. There's a journey you can be on together. And, and you know, it's really easy to get cynical about the church. Um, and there are people that will hurt you in the church. As long as there's people, there's going to be some pain. There's going to be some. Oh, yeah. But by and large, you know, I would just testify that in my life, people in the church have cared for me in ways that no one else has. And not just because I'm a pastor before I was a pastor, like my two kids, I feel like are wanting to do ministry because of the way they've been cared for. I said that again this Sunday, like they've been loved as children and then youth mm-hmm. and, and people let them be themselves and didn't put a lot of expectation as far as like, you have to act this way and this way, cause you're the pastor's kid and just watching them then want to return to it and say, now I'm going to make a difference in this organization. I'm going to, I'm going to help out. I'm going to be a a leader eventually, you know, somewhere. Um, With full acknowledgement, because pastor's kids, they know, they know the warts. Yeah. Like they're not, they're not oblivious. They know, they know the pain and the hurt and the things that happen in church sometimes. Even when they don't know the details. Right. They've seen it on your face. They've seen it in your, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Right. Cause they know, we don't, discuss the details my kids i don't even tell my wife a lot of things because she she needs to be able to go to church and just love right, right. and be free yeah. and not be burdened by all of that and if somebody when people tell me their story they've told me their story right. they've told yeah. the church 
you know, if they want to tell it through a microphone, then that's their business. It's not my job right. to do this. As a matter of fact, yeah. it's my job yeah. to keep their confidence, right? Um, yeah. But it is my job. Now, it's my responsibility. I actually, my livelihood comes from it. I'm paid for it. So when somebody in your Sunday school class gets up and moves to a person who's in need of prayer, it's more powerful than when the right. pastor moves toward them in prayer, because yeah. that means that they are loved within this community of faith. So whenever I, my, my greatest joy in, in pastoring is when I had nothing to do with the movement that took place. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. When, when people just move because they care for each other. Uh, when, when, when people get, when up you and, hear yeah, that people it, are bearing one another's burdens and you oh, didn't know anything about it, didn't know anything about it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Like that's the church being the church. There's moments when as a pastor in, in discipleship, I, they, this is a, this is a piece of discipleship when they come to me and they say, pastor, this is going on. And I say, and so what are we doing about it? And they say, well, I hope you'd give them a call. And I say, well, I hope you'd give them a call. Right. right. That, yeah. <laughs> I think your call will mean more than my call. I will definitely give them a call because it is my job to do so. And I will, I will make sure they know that the church cares about them and that God is present in their suffering and, and loves them. And I will do my job. But if you did it, it's not your job to do it. Right. It's a and then it means more. Yeah. It's a responsibility that you take on out of the goodness and kindness of your heart. And it can't be misconstrued in any way that, that you're just here because you're paid to be here, which happens sometimes, unfortunately. I hope that I'm never convey that, but I hope that I'm coming for the right reasons. But I'm right, ultimately, right. I am employed by the church. And so it's yeah. better when the parishioners do that. And so when we tell, when we encourage them to get to know each other, get up and pass the peace, shake hands, get to know each other in the foyer, uh, whenever I hear that a guy who does AC work went over to one of our parishioners houses who was, you know, having financial issues and just couldn't get it done and fixes their AC for them. That's a holy and sacred air yeah, conditioning yeah, moment, yeah. right? Like, you know, cause that's it gets beautiful. hot down here. It is hot in South <laughs> Texas, hot enough to kill yeah. people. And so, you Literally. know, it, it makes a difference in the life of a family when, when somebody cared enough to do their job for them, for nothing. One of the cooler things that I've experienced is that we've had people who once they've started reaching out and that, you know, relationally to others, like we've had people that have been connected before, like in other phases of life and just realized that they're, you know, had a lady that just started coming during the pandemic. She lost her husband during the pandemic as a rough time. And she sees this older lady in our church and she says, I used to work with her. And then all of a sudden you see these relationships mm -hmm. begin to form across lines that, you know, generally sometimes people don't step across those lines and you begin to see like this kind of network of people um, that just, just reach out to one another in love. One of yeah. the coolest thing that's happened in the last couple of weeks is we had somebody who grew up in our church said a couple of times um, that they, you know, it was the love of our church. Yeah, you know, he, he might be biased. He was, he's a kid who grew up in our church, but he said that's the love of our church that has kept him there. He's a he's a sophomore in college, I think now. I always have him older than he is, but um, and COVID messed me up on years. And he said it's the love of our church. And some of his friends have not stayed in church and have not. But it's that gathering aspect. It's that whole like um, the, the fact that he feels like there's a place where he belongs, where he's loved um, and and where he can he can find that community. And so 
what's the name of our church? Sometimes I've I've been like, we got to live into this name, right? <laughs> like, like you right. hope that's the thing, but um, sure. but finding that that kind of gathering, the the whole gathering aspect is really really important. And you know, people think, why do we do these things? We do some of the things like, why do people shake hands in church? Like I would just simply say is to remind us that we're not here for a concert. Like we're not here just to consume. Yeah. We're it's here to, as a community. It's to recognize that we wouldn't be here if it weren't for Christ. I wouldn't know you. Right. Like how many of the relationships within the context of church, the gathering of the family of God, right. would we, could we say of them, we wouldn't know each other if it weren't for Christ. Yeah. yeah. In this acknowledgement of the creator active within creation is essential. And if we don't shake each other's hands and hug each other's necks, then we don't acknowledge uh, the image of God at work in each one of us. We don't acknowledge the creator still creating in each one of us. I think it's essential. It's, it's necessary to what we do. You, you don't, ants don't do what ants do all by themselves. You never see one ant. If you see one ant, you know, there are a million nearby. Right. And the yeah, church don't remind me. I just saw the first one on my windowsill for the spring <laughs> sugar ants. Every oh, yeah. spring, Here man, they come. Here they, they, come. they start coming into the house and trying to get in our kitchen. So we'll get to deal <laughs> with that. But I just saw one today and that was my exact thought. There's never one ant. There's never one ant there. We should, we should think about Christianity that way. There's never just yeah. one Christian. There's never, There's never one. Just, yeah. I mean, it, even it, when we get a picture of the, of the, the Ethiopian eunuch reading scripture, you know, uh, by himself, by himself so much there's God believes that we ought to be in community created us for community so much that he teleported, I guess. It like sends <laughs> Philip, like <laughs> sends him. However, to however, like, you he got there be by yourself out you here, man, I get to be alone. confused by this scripture. That's right. That's right. Get we somebody, I'll somebody get you a Hebrew. You know, off of. Yeah. This, this. We, you don't understand it. So I'll get you a sounding board. I'll get you somebody that can help walk you through this. A yeah, guy. That's right. so good. That's really good. Yeah. And uh, that maybe we should make a, a t-shirt like that, you know, um, something about ants and Christians. Like there's never just one, never, never just, just one. one. And uh, yeah, no person is an Island. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing when we can come together. I do realize that in, with the COVID stuff and, and sometimes with anxiety and social, you know, just the way our world is now with as much technology as we have, like for some people, it's really difficult to be in the presence of people. And I would just say, you know, I, I would hope that people would, would, would take the next step, you know, just be with someone in community, even if it's just one brother or sister in accountability thing, that's at least the next step because it, it's, I really believe it's, we're not meant to live this life of faith on our own and then yeah. gathering with a small group. And, yeah. and maybe someday you could walk back into a congregation. You know, I, I think those are the, because I do realize for some people we're both extroverts. I think, yeah, I think it's this a little is, easier. It, for we us. don't want this to seem like two extroverts talking about how important gathering is because, yeah. So I'll just say this. I don't always feel like being there. Yeah. Right. Like, I, there's a lot of times where I'm, where I'd rather be alone. And, you know, I think people have a hard time believing that that's true, but 
we, we both have our limits. Yeah, there's yeah, limits yeah. to this. And believe it or not, we hit them pretty regular. Like, yeah, because yeah. we're always of, with people. <laughs> I, there's there. I learned from a pastor friend of mine. He he talked about he would say the hour after church on Wednesday night is called he called it piranha hour. Uh, and i said why do you call it piranha hour he said because everybody wants a piece of me yeah and you know just a little and eventually you just run out of pieces like there's nothing to give and you're trying to preserve some for your family you're trying to preserve some for your for yourself for your for your friendships for administrative tasks that you do all by yourself in the loneliness of a of an empty church building during the week you know so yeah well, I think I think we've had a good good conversation today about gathering mm-hmm. and I think we should just encourage people find a place, find a place to worship, find some people you can love and you can trust and I think you'll be blessed for it. I think so. Yeah, and, you know, and maybe you uh, maybe Lent is a wonderful time to do that where you say, "You know what? I'm going to put away all distractions and I'm going to go be fully present with somebody yeah. else." You know. It's awesome. Hey, man. Well, I love you. I'm glad we got to see you this week and I hope you have a great week and we'll talk again next week. Absolutely. All right. We'll see you. Love you. Bye. All right. Love you too. Bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.